We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am Cameron. And I'm Willie. And this is the Other Side of Hell podcast. Willie, do you ever um, have the show start and feel like you have no idea what's happening? <laughs> I have, uh, yeah. Well, not just the show, like like pretty much my life in general sometimes. Do you ever feel like you're just floating through the clouds yeah. with no, no real idea that's, of what actually... That's that's when I know I've, I've let go of control. Just cool. That. You're saying it's a good thing. It could be. Mm. What um, if you're on automatic pilot all the time? So that's probably not great. I don't know. I need more context. Well, this is all the context I'm giving you. <laughs> so, yeah, no, you're fine. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty just sure. Just keep doing it. Seems I'm, like it's working. I'm pretty sure everything's just fine. Yeah. You know, uh, it's good to be here, man. Yeah. How you feeling? Uh lightheaded. Yeah. Uh, Are you groggy. sick? Are you sick? No. You better not be here sick. I will punch you in the face. Threatening violence. Uh, But like in a good way. Yeah. Out of love. Yeah, out of love (laughs) for myself. Punch you in the face out of love. Uh, Yeah, I feel good, man. Good. Yeah, a lot of times uh, it's it's hard to roll into the show. It's not like like we're professionals at this. (laughs) We ought to be by now. You would think, right? But I thought the same thing about being an adult, you know, just I thought by now I would be a little more mature than I am <laughs> or being an alcoholic. Yeah. You know, is there ever a point when we're when in our sobriety where we get to just graduate? Not that I've heard of. Like d- when you um, were first in uh, in treatment and recovery, did you think that eventually you were just going to get it? Yeah. And you could just stop. Yeah. sort of doing everything that you were doing. Yeah. Well, I thought, I thought it would become automatic. Yeah. I, th- I guess like, mm-hmm. I just, I didn't, I didn't think I would have to continue to work on maintaining the habits of good behavior or, or you know, spirituality or any of that stuff. I thought it, I thought eventually it would become like breathing It'd just be part of what I do. Well, has some of it become that way? No, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, habitually, but, but, uh, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I still got to work on it. Well, and, and that's just the thing. It's like we 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 still have we still have work to do. We still we still have to do the work, and uh, and the reason I bring that up is because we're going to be talking about work today. Okay. Um, we got a really good war story from Michael. Yeah. And uh, one of the things he said in his in his uh, in his story was, "Don't change yeah. what's working." We got twenty six years, and that's insane. So. Um, something's working. He he's doing something right, and he's probably somebody that uh, that I could gain a lot from. Yeah. So I'm excited to share his story with people today. Um, but yeah, I think that that's uh, that's an interesting uh, it's an interesting term. I've heard that said before. You know, don't change what's working. Yeah, don't, if and it's working, don't fix it. Yeah. I'm well. If it's broken, don't don't fix it. <laughs> Wait, how's it go? Yeah. If it's if it's not if it's not if broken, it's not broken, don't fix yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Um, thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah. So when we, when we say don't change what's working, what, I mean, generally in our recovery, we have found that there are certain things that we need to do. Um, most of them daily, um, that seem to help us stay sober. Yeah. Um, if we're lucky, they also help us stay sane. Um, and, uh, and so, we don't like why would we why why do you think that there's a temptation to Ooh. even remove some of those elements if they are working I'm, I'm a control freak sure that's i mean bottom line man and 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 i get really bored and and uh, minutia is like in the monotony of it yeah it's mm-hmm. just it's painful for me right um that's why it took me so long to get sober this last time i i 
I, uh, I would listen to all these people share their experience, strength and hope. I'd, I'd listen to what they were doing to, um, to maintain long-term sobriety. And I would, I would want to do it a little different, you know, and it's funny that this happened to me yesterday. I was at, a, I was at a noon meeting and, and then walked this kid and I recognized him. Uh, but it wasn't until he started sharing, uh, I, and I heard his voice and it was, it was a sponsee from, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, he came in, came back in, he's got a week sober now. And, and one of the things that he had touched on is, is these cliches, right? These, these sayings. And one of them is it works if you work it. And that's what he was talking about is it, it works if you work it. And one of the things that I like to do is try to make it work without working it, you know? And so, um, I think the temptation to change it is, is that I want to feel unique and special. I want to feel like I'm, I, I'm this, this guru of, of wisdom and knowledge. I want, I want to be able to feed my ego through the medication that saves my life. And I, I want to have good opinions from you and I want to look a certain way and, and be a certain way. And so if I can, if I can uh, twist it a little bit and, and make it a little bit more flavorful for everybody around me and then claim that as my own, then that, that obviously feeds into, you know, the, the ego and the, the image that I'm trying to obtain through you guys. So I think that's a big part of the temptation. You know, the other thing is like some of the work just doesn't sound very fun. Right. Like, you know, and it talks about it in, in, in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. I remember it talking about uh, none of us like the the work that comes at hand, the, the leveling of self-pride. I don't I don't know it word by word, but it's not, it, you know, doing doing this type of house cleaning that's needed in order to have long term sobriety just doesn't sound appealing until after you've done it. Well, cause generally we're, we're, we're after the results, right? And sometimes when we continuously get those results, we, we can forget what it's doing for us. Yeah. Um, I know that's my case. Like I, you know, I have different moments where I'm really good, um, at doing the reading prayer and meditation in the morning. Right. Um, I'm very strict about it. I make sure that I do it, um, make it a priority and I'm consistent for an extended period of time. Um, and, and, and so much so that, um, you know, I fall off inadvertently a lot of times, you know, like something will happen, um, in a day and, uh, you know, I've got to exit early and I'm unable to get to that stuff. And then I don't, you know, go back and do it later. And then, you know, one day turns into two missed days, two missed days turns into three or whatever. Um, and so it goes. And, you know, then before you know it, like I'm, I'm all up in my head, yeah. you know, I'm doing a lot of head running. Um, I'm starting to, uh, to believe a lot of the negative dialogue that I have, um, running inside my, in my mind. And, and, uh, and, you know, it's not until I see those repercussions that I can see what exactly, um, all that work was actually doing for me. Yeah. Um, and I think that, Sometimes, sometimes I, I need that, you know, sometimes I have to have that reminder of like, oh yeah, this is what happens. Like, this is where my mind goes yeah. when, when I don't do this. Um, and, you know, so I think that that's sort of natural in any sort of, um, you know, healthy habit, uh, to fall off for a minute and really, uh, see what, what value was coming from that behavior. Um, hopefully, and in my case, you know, like the pain doesn't get too, too bad before I, you know, come back to it. But, yeah. um, but that for me is always a good reminder. And sometimes I just got to have a reminder, Yeah, you know? Yeah. The, you know, the topic of, of don't change what's working. Um, it, I, I have to remind myself and, and, and I'm a little bit, I don't know if childish is the right word or, or what, but, uh, imaginative like I have to use illustrative explanations for myself so that I can so that I can like compare it to certain things um, and so when we're talking about this I have to I have to put it in a context where I can visualize what we're talking about and and what what came to mind is like we're on a sinking ship right um, and, and it, as an alcoholic I kind of am always on a sinking ship it's like there's always these holes in my boat 
and the the uh the threat of going under is constantly there um now i do have some tools in order to uh be able to get the water off of the uh, out of the hall and back into the into the lake or the ocean if you will and one of them's a bucket right and and as my boat fills up with water such as like negativity life uh responsibilities um surprises that i wasn't ready for you know um false imaginations fatigue hunger you know Mm -hmm. as all these things start flooding into my boat and i have my bucket to start kind of throwing that water back out uh day in and day out a lot of times i'll get tired of throwing water and right i'll think surely there's a better tool mm-hmm. maybe i could build something better and and i'll i'll leave the task at hand of keeping my boat from sinking and i'll go out in search of a better tool to make it faster so that i don't have to spend so much time doing what's already working right and and most of the time i don't find a new tool i come back to what was working and i have to make up for the amount of time i had missed out searching for an easier softer way and and so that illustration kind of works for me as, as we were talking about it. i kind of imagine myself in that situation right um and so like having that understanding that that i will never not be an alcoholic and that i've put myself around a bunch of people that have the same issue I do that maintain the same uh, program that I do that are trying to stay sober and keep their boat floating. I need to pay attention to what it is they're saying and, and get back into the groove of like doing what works as soon as possible. Because um, ultimately I don't, I don't want to die the alcoholic's death. Mm. You know, it's easy for me to forget the, the severity of this thing and what happens to me when I drink. So um, just maintaining that stuff that you're talking about, it does get monotonous. And, and I think that's the biggest part of like why we stop doing it. Right. Um, you know, we go to a certain recovery group over and over and over again. Um, we hear the same story over and over and over again. We see the same faces over and over and over again. It's pretty easy to think for a minute, you know, like I could probably go a month or a year without seeing these guys again or reading this book again or Mm -hmm. saying this prayer again or expanding on my spirituality or or any of that stuff but as as we've seen uh the people that make long-term sobriety you know 10 15 20 25 30 years uh when they share about what they do it's the same stuff that they did in the beginning that keeps them going now right yeah well, and that, and that's just the thing. Like one of the things that you're you're talking about is consistency, right? Like I'm going to get the best yeah. results when I am consistent about this behavior. And um, even though it may seem but a little, if I just for an example, um, if I go to the gym every day, or even if I don't go to the gym every day, and I do some really weird chest workout for. Uh, your chest is so mesmerizing. <laughs> I can't take my eyes off of it. Um, if, if I do like a, if I do like a, a, a pretty basic chest workout um, every day, um, it may take a good amount of time, right? But eventually, I will start to see uh, a big difference in the way it looked on day one, and then and the way it looks on day one hundred or. Yeah. Um, you know, 200 or years from now or whatever the case is. Um, And so even though it might be monotonous and I'm probably not going to want to do the chest exercise every day, like rest assured, I will see those results one day. And so sometimes when we can focus on the results, um, it makes a big difference. And that's why, um, like I said in my, you know, earlier, um, I can forget about the results. I can forget all that I'm getting. And I think that that's one of the things that, uh, that I'm able to continuously remind myself of by staying plugged in, by hanging around the room still, um, is that I am indeed benefiting from this consistent behavior, yeah. even though it may not seem like it and it may be monotonous and it may get boring. Um, I am benefiting from it, but 
one of the things, one of the questions I might have then is if, is if we find ourselves in a situation where, um, where we're doing all the things that have always worked, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason it doesn't seem to be working, right? Um, you know, then what do we do? Because I think the temptation becomes like, hey, I'm I'm doing all the same stuff, and and it, it has always worked in the past, and for now, like for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to be working, like the temptation can be, well, then I'm not going to do it. Right. And, um, and then, you know, gravitate towards whatever you think may be a solution in that instance. Um, what in your opinion or in your vast, um, expertise as you are just (laughs) this God amongst men in recovery. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. What, uh, (laughs) I mean, what, I mean, what, what is something, you know, that we can do in that instance? If we find that all the same stuff that we have always done is not working, what kind of advice might you give somebody that came to you with that issue? Uh, I, I would say, like, let, let, let's get seriously honest about looking at what it is we really are doing, right? Um, uh, are we really doing all the things that work? You know, are, are we really doing all the things that work? Um you know, I, I recently, uh, went through, uh, that, that change over the summer when I, when I hit that really dark space and, and none of the things that I, that was working before were working, mm-hmm. you know, I was doing the, I was, you know, I, I had a program, I was doing the exercise, uh, I was doing the, the, the food tracking. I was, uh, talking to other alcoholics. I was reading, you know, whatever it was I was reading uh, I was listening to the meditations, um, and I could not get out of that funk. I, I just couldn't get out of that funk. And so it was time to actually add something to it. You know, it was time for me to expand on and go back to the basics of beginnings. Um, you know, it's easy to, for us, uh, believe that we're constantly in a state of step work and service and and all these things. But a lot of times, you know, we'll be wrapped up in life where, uh, all of a sudden, you know, we're no longer making coffee at, a, at, at our home group or, uh, you know, we're no longer sponsoring the new guy. Um, we're, uh, you know, maybe more focused on work or, uh, you, you know, a health issue or, or one of these other things that can be very distracting and, and we'll be holding on to one or two things that, that always worked that, that were a part of the whole. And so we have to really dive in and be like, am I really doing all the things that once worked or am I doing most of the things that once worked or am I doing a couple of the things that once worked? Um, and so, and if the answer is like, no, I'm not doing all of the things, it seems like the first place that we always want to go back to is like finding somebody in a worse place than we were or are and, and seeing if we can't help them out. Service seems to be the answer for that all the time. And it also seems like that's the one thing that slips away all the time. Mm. Like service works when nothing else works. We've, we've found that. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that, but, uh, I can't figure this shit out on my own, dude. Mm -hmm. Like that's Mm -hmm. the, that's the big thing. And, and if I'm not talking to people about feeling this way, uh, it's, it's really, really common, especially, when you think you have some sobriety time or you think you have some recovery figured out when I, when I think I have recovery figured out, uh, it's really easy for me to not reach out to another person, um, to try and help me figure out what's going on with me and why I'm not feeling like everything in my life is working anymore. Um, I'll try to convince myself that I should I, I should know this by now. I shouldn't be feeling this way. I got it. I can handle it. It's going to pass, whatever. But the truth of the matter is what works is bouncing it off another person that has the same dilemma that I do. And usually it'll come back around to these 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 things where I'm missing uh, one of the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. of Yeah. Well, and when you talk about the fundamentals, I think some of what some of what happens as well is that we I, you know, speaking for myself, like what's my intention in those actions? I might be doing the same thing that I'm always doing, 
but maybe I'm just mindlessly going through it. Like we talked about at the beginning, right? Like I'm on autopilot where I'm just checking boxes. Like right now I'm just doing things to do them. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing them with intention. I'm not, you know, asking myself, why am I doing these things? And what is it that I hope to get out of it? Um, Instead, you know, like I'm just, okay, this is what I do. So I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's okay um, maybe every once in a while, but if that's consistent, um, consistently how I'm doing things over and over and over each day is just to check those boxes, then, uh, then it, 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 it can't be too big a surprise that it, I may not be getting those same results. Yeah. Um, because absolutely like I can go through and I can check the boxes and I can, at the end of the day, at least have the satisfaction of knowing like, Hey, I took the action. And that's okay some days, but there is something behind the action, right? Like there is results that I'm looking for from that action. And if I, if I go into it, um, with any other, uh, motive other than to, um, to have those results serve me, um, then it's going to be very, very tricky for me to get what it is I'm after, um, from that action. And so I think that, um, remembering the why, the why behind the action, uh, for me is super, super critical, uh, when I'm, when I'm doing that stuff. Um, one thing for me that, uh, that I've really struggled with in the past that, uh, that I know to be super, super beneficial, um, is my nightly inventory. Mm. And, uh, this is definitely an Alcoholics Anonymous thing. Um, basically, you know, at the end of the day, you take a review of your day and, and see, you know, where you had made mistakes or what you could have done better. Um, where were you of service to people? And basically just ask yourself a series of questions, um, to review your day. Um, what are, what are some of those questions that you ask yourself? Like, well, you ask yourself, um, had you been resentful, um, uh, do you owe somebody an apology? Mm-hmm. Um, were you, did you act out of anger? Um, and uh, if you were wrong, did you promptly admit it? Um, did you reach out to another alcoholic? Things like this, right? Okay. And, uh, and there's, a, there's a lot of benefit to, to reviewing my day like that. Like, one of the biggest things I've noticed from from doing this nightly inventory consistently is that I'm able to see kind of how selfish I can be throughout the day. And um, and what that allows for me to do is to notice that as it's happening and course correct in real time. Um, but if I stop doing that, as I have a tendency to do, because it's late, it's nighttime, I just want to go to bed. I don't want to <laughs> stop and review everything, right? Like, um, if I just go to bed and I don't do that nightly inventory, then, then I'm missing out on those results, right? I'm missing out on that course correction. I'm missing out on, um, on being able to see that behavior and, uh, and the people in my life that benefit from me course correcting that behavior. So, um, so for me, that tends to be one where I'm sort of in and out. Um, but the important thing is that, I can recognize that today. I can talk about it today. And there's a lot of people that sort of understand that struggle. Um, Ultimately, I'm absolutely grateful that I even have these tools to begin with uh, because it wasn't always the case, right? Like there was definitely a time in my life where I was passing out, not going to sleep. Um, And so, you know, today I don't have to live life like that, but it's, uh, it's been very interesting to see, um, you know, what it is that, that continues to work and, uh, and things that I, I have to add to my regimen each, each and every day. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's important to remember, too, like um, sometimes, Cameron, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where I missed the boat so many times, you know, um, We've talked about it a bunch of times on the pro on on the show. Uh, I've been trying to get sober for a long, long time, and uh, and I did the best that I could in all those areas for the time, and sure. and I, and it seemed like I was doing all the things that I should have, and I went back out anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's important for me to remember that that uh, that can happen. 
Like, like I can do all the things that seem like, uh, I, that, that work for me to be happy, joyous and free. And I'm just not happy, joyous and free. Right. And so that's not necessarily, uh, a, a sign or, or a, a message that these things don't work. Right. And I have to remind myself that I have to remind myself that, that just because I'm not feeling like they're working doesn't mean that they're not working. Sure. Um, the, the important thing is like what you're saying, you know, being consistent in these things long enough to see a result in order to get, you know, a good amount of data to, to, to see that. Yeah. When I fall off of this stuff, that's, this is how I feel versus this is how I feel. Um, you know, that nightly inventory, I'm not, I'm not great at it either. Uh, I'm not great at, at daily inventory either. I get wrapped up in, um, in the, the motions of life. It's, it's, it's what we do. Right. You know, we right. get, we get uh, task fixated or whatever that's called. And, you know, we get up, we got kids, we got, uh, life, we got work, we got traffic, we got commerce, we got, you know, the news and the friends and, and all those things. And it's, it's easy to get drifted away from the things that work, um, as far as like our sobriety goes, but, um, it's really important also to like come back to those things as soon as possible when we start feeling like we're missing those things. I think that I'm fortunate in, in the aspect that I have an inner dialogue and a conscience that tells me when something's off. You know, mm-hmm. well, and and I'm glad you said that because I think that that's something that you know we're able to rely on a little bit more as as uh, as we get further down the road. And the more that we maintain that consistency with some of this stuff, that um, that we're able to trust a little bit more of what our conscience is telling us. Yeah. Um, because that wasn't always the case either. You know, um, it can become kind of skewed with uh, with the things that I did in in uh, when I was out there running and gunning. Yeah. Um, but today, you know, like I I have a pretty good idea of the things I need to do, um, and. Oftentimes, if I'm feeling guilt, it's because I haven't done any. Um, <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. and that's an emotion that I can really let eat my lunch if I wanted to. Um, but, you know, uh, the, the, the point for me today is to take that emotion, take that feeling, and turn it into action. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm not always super great at that either, but most of the time I can recognize it enough to at least take some action from it. I, I, I'm glad that you brought up, you, you know, today, the things that work, you know? And so I'll just, I'll touch a little bit on, on that. Um, the things that work for me, right. Um, uh, I do believe that I'm an alcoholic and, and I believe that based on so many things that we've talked about on this show. Um, uh, what works for me is is a clear understanding of what it means for me to be alcoholic, and I and I have to hold on to that. And so, my uh, my definition of alcoholism isn't necessarily what I drink or how much I drink or when I drink or who I drink with, but more like what happens to me when I drink. Um, and what happens to me when I drink is is a lot of negativity comes into my life. Um, I begin to obsess over the next drink a lot of scheming and planning like you've shared about on the show. And so, uh, having that foundation of believing that I'm an alcoholic works for me. And it's something that I, that I have to do on a daily basis. And I'm not always great at like starting my day off, opening my eyes and going, okay, I'm an alcoholic. But at some point throughout the day, I have to acknowledge and admit again on a daily basis that I'm an alcoholic, you know, um, the other thing, a few other things that seem to continue to work for me are staying in daily contact with other alcoholics that believe they are alcoholic based on what happens to them when they drink, because, uh, most of the time, uh, I feel pretty good about the direction of my life. I'm able to, go into my own head alone for a little while. I'm able to navigate conversations without uh, burning my house to the ground. I can go through difficult situations um, in my career, with my family, without lashing out, 
um, super abusively. I can um, get from one point to another without stealing stuff. You know, for the for the most part, uh, that kind of stuff uh, is is just kind of automatic for me for me today. But um, in order for me to maintain that, I have to talk to other people, and so that's another thing that works for me. So that when those temptations, those old behaviors, those old feelings, those those things that I'm so used to from my past start creeping back up and the selfishness starts coming back in, I'm able to talk to somebody like you who can recognize in me that that's what's going on and offer a solution or an understanding ear. Having an understanding ear to bounce this stuff off of works for me. The inventory that you talked about is so crucial. It's so important for me to be able to uh, look at how far I've come. And it's not always, I'm not always great at doing it on a daily basis, but what happens to me is I'll start, I'll start belittling myself on these, with these shoulds, you know, I should, I should be further along. I I shouldn't be feeling this way. I should, I shouldn't be thinking this, or I shouldn't be acting this way, or I should have this by now or, or whatever these things are. And, And if I can inventory where I'm at versus where I was, when all this came around, that that's a tool that works for me because I know that, that that stuff really did happen. My life really was like that. And today it really is like this. And, and I demand perfection over, you know, uh, progress sometimes. And that's just not, that's just not okay. You know, so, so the things that were, you know, a couple of things to re to, to, to rehash on, you know, admitting and understanding at a deep level that I'm an alcoholic based on what happens to me when I drink, uh, having a connection with other alcoholics so that I don't have to do this stuff alone. People that have been in my shoes and able to offer up solutions that I may or may not take and, and inventorying and, and looking at my life from the bird's eye view of where I used to be versus where I'm at now. Those are things that work for me in order to what like like work what 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 are we talking about like like life life yeah mm-hmm. so that i don't get drunk mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because then all life goes out the window yeah and just for the record like you just described steps one through five <laughs> like i mean and, and honestly you did like you i mean you talked about you you're being an alcoholic on some sort of level like you understand in your deepest fiber your deepest being that you are an alcoholic Right? right, and that your life becomes unmanageable the minute that you put that into your into your um, being, and then you talked about bouncing it off of others, right? So a higher power, you got to talk to a higher power, even if it's just other people, a group of other people, um, and then take an inventory. Well, steps four, you know, I mean, the, I mean, and and that's the thing is like, I was just gonna like promote AA and I'm not going <laughs> to promote AA. Like what I'm going to say is like, we're fortunate because we have a program that, that has been given to us, mm-hmm. um, that, that allows us to see this stuff, um, that allows us to, to, um, to base our life around it. It, it has given us a design for living. Yeah. And so what we are talking about is living is living life and, and, uh, and living life on life's terms. Because when I try to run the show, it doesn't go like this, right. you know. It goes like it did before, um, before I went to rehab. It yeah. goes like it did uh, before I got into the rooms of, of Alcoholics Anonymous. It goes like it did uh, before I had a podcast where I could talk about this stuff. Um, and and you know, so why would we want to change that? Why would we change anything that seems to be working for us? You know, um, I mean. For all the same reasons I think we just talked about, but luckily, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm just, I just feel grateful today that that I have these tools, um, and that I know what works and what doesn't work, and and that I'm able to generally stay on course pretty well as long as I have other people yeah. in my life that are doing the same. Yeah, and I like the, I like that you brought up the point that knowing what works and what doesn't work Mm -hmm. uh having a clear understanding of the things that don't work is is a great tool just as important yeah Mm -hmm. you know it's it's super important for me and this may sound a little bit ridiculous coming from 
a recovery podcast, but it is important that I remember drinking doesn't work for right, me. Right. Or <laughs> drugs or food. Yeah. None of that stuff works. You know, like rummaging through the cupboards to find something sweet, like a crackhead looking for rocks in the cu- in the carpet. Uh, finding, like, knowing that it's not going to work for me, but I'm there doing it anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. I know that it's not going to work. Um, spending money on things that I don't need doesn't work for me. Uh, it doesn't mean I, I don't do it, you know, all the time or find myself temptate, temp, tempted to do it, but I know it doesn't work. And, mm-hmm. and uh, drinking alcohol, doing drugs does not work for me. It's important for me to remember just as much what doesn't work as what does and to practice what does and, and have the gaps of uh, being in the space where I'm doing the things that don't work, get further apart and being in the space of doing the things that do work, get closer together and that I maintain consistency on doing the things that work versus the things that don't. And then being able to share that stuff, you know, our experience with it and saying to other people, you know, like I get it, you know, hopefully being, being, a, being that understanding voice that I need from time to time for somebody else. Right. Yeah. Well, and that, and, and, and that's definitely one of the things that works is, is helping others. And, and really, I feel like all I can do a lot of times is lend my time and tell my story. Yeah. You know, um, and by doing that in the right way at the right time, um, in a way that, that is, uh, divorced from resentment, um, that is divorced from ego, um, and that is, that is purely from a, a place of, of selflessness and humility, um, I'm able to, uh, to really get all that that action will, will yeah. do for me. Um, and today, like knowing that, knowing that I have uh, the ability to do that and knowing that there's people out there who, um, you know, who have genuinely been helped by, um, by my story, right. just by me sharing my experience um, or sharing my time um, is, is rewarding. It's, it's, it really it's, it's the ultimate, uh, it's, I mean, it's really the best feeling that, that I can, that I can, um, take away from the fact that I'm an addict, yeah. right? It's like, Hey, look, my, my addiction, all that shit that I went through, um, is being used today to help others. Yeah. And, uh, and, what a great gift. Yeah. And to get to see it in real time, you know, I'd like to, because you brought that up, um, you know, we received an email recently from a girl um, that, and I'd, I'd like to share it with, with the podcast because doing, doing the things that work put us in a position to have this happen. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this girl uh, emailed us um, to say thank you for some service that, that we had done. Um, uh, she was at a gas station. Um, she was pregnant at the time, um, trying to get clean. And, uh, she approached us and very humbly asked, you know, can, can you help me get some gas? And of course, you know, um, because the, the gifts of sobriety put us in a position to, be able to afford not only our own gas, but enough gas for, for somebody else, you know, we're able to be like, sure, you know, and, and we gave her one of our business cards and told her a little bit about the podcast and told her, you know, you don't have to live like this anymore. Here's a little bit of our story. And, uh, you know, never, never to believe that we'd hear from her again. Right. Right. And, and we recently got an email from her, uh, that, that was really moving because, uh, she expressed her gratitude for that. She explained that she's in a, in a, um, recovery facility for young women with, or just women in general. Uh, her baby has now been born. It's eight months old. She gets to spend every day with it in that treatment center. Her significant other is going through treatment, getting clean and, and that they're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, that the proof is in the pudding, you know, this stuff works, you know, one alcoholic helping another works when nothing else does, you know, my understanding, my past, my, uh, 
my pain can reach a person that's sick like I am when nothing else will. Right. It works. And it's beautiful, man. It's yeah, fucking beautiful. It really is, man. I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you shared that story. Um, I, uh, I love it when, when we're able to see that. Yeah. When we're able to see that side of it, because we don't always get to see it, right? Like yeah. we might take the action, but like you said, like never, never would have thought that we'd hear from that person again. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and sometimes here's the thing is for every action that we take, where we do see something like that come back to us, there's a thousand more where we don't. Yeah. Who knows what kind of impact we can have by yeah. simply just allowing the position that we have found ourselves in after um, keeping, like after continuing to do the things that work, um, the, the, the service that we're able to give and the, um, the story, the experience that we're able to share um, can be life-changing. Um, and so I think that it's important that we just continue to do all the stuff yeah. that continues to work. Man. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I really enjoyed Michael's story. Yeah. He is somebody that still does what has, what has always worked. Um, and after 26 years, it seems like, you know, he might have a good idea of what, what works and what doesn't. Um, one of the things that I really appreciated that he said was, you know, he still goes to meetings after 26 years and the people will say, you still go to meetings after 26 years? And he says, yeah. Yeah. I still go to meetings after 26 years. Um, cause I, it works because it works. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm really excited for you guys to hear his story. Uh, we got a lot from it and, uh, I think you will too. So should we do it? Yeah, let's do this. This week's war story is brought to you by brainwash coffee. Brainwash Coffee is damn good coffee with a damn good cause. 50% of all proceeds go back into the recovery community, which is why Brainwash Coffee is the perfect partner for us here at the other side of hell. With blends like Higher Powder and Ego Ain't Your Amigo, Brainwash Coffee has your back no matter what you're poisoning. Right now, you can get $5 off your coffee order when you use promo code OTHERSIDE at brainwashcoffeeco.com. Clean your bean with Brainwashed. And without further ado, here is this week's War Story. Hey everybody, I'm Mike, not Harlan, and a drug addict. Um, my sobriety date is December 26, 1995. Um, I'm going to tell a little bit what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now for me. Um, the, some of the first memories I have of drinking or using, I think I was about 10 years old, and I stole some uh, pot from my sister, took it to her boyfriend. Uh, I see a 10 year old now and I'm like, you know, wow, that's kind of young. Uh, and I actually was smoking pot. Um, middle school, drinking, smoking pot, stealing, skipping school. Uh, my parents are divorced. And my mom worked two jobs. So I pretty much got to run the streets and have the free reign of the house. Uh, always seemed to get in trouble. I was the kid in the neighborhood that I'm sure most parents said, don't hang around that Mike Miller kid. Um, you know, I, I kind of wore it like a badge of honor, you know, I was, I was the hoodlum and, um, you know, we, we, we would take our parents liquor, water it down. I can, I, I have a memory of watering my mother's rum down so much that I wouldn't even drink it anymore. Uh, back then we just, you know, we hung out at the house, we went roller skating. Um, I think by middle school. You know, I, I was pretty much full blown. I mean, that's everybody was taking their parents, drugs and alcohol. Uh, we would meet at my house. There were parties. Um, started to get in uh, before high school. Got into a couple brushes with the law. I was actually, I think, eighth grade. Stole my mom's car. And uh, by this time, she had had enough of me getting in trouble. She actually told me I had to go live with my dad or I was going to end up going to juvenile. So I'm like in the eighth grade. Uh, I called my dad and he said, come on down. He lived in Orlando, Florida. So I thought it was going to be uh, pretty cool. I'm going down to sunny Florida from South Carolina. 
Disney World, Sea World. I've been down visiting him. He was an enabler too. He drank. I don't know whether he was an alcoholic or not, but I can still remember it was ninth grade. I would have parties at my house. He would allow drinking. You know, my house was the house to hang out. We had a pool table, a dartboard. It was like a little bar for teenagers in the garage. Um, built in a swimming pool in the back. You know, lots of weed, lots of drinking. I seemed to stay out of trouble some while I was there. On my 16th birthday, my dad said, get on your bike and go get a job. So I don't know if he was ever serious or not, but I came home with a job. I was a fry cook at Captain D's or something, making hush puppies. Or uh, I was proud of myself. Uh, good work ethic. But within a year, I bought a car. Now, I'm in high school. I have my own car. And my dad still makes me ride the bus to school. You know, I have a pass of ditching school and doing all this other stuff. So uh, I just rolled with it. We would get home from school and we surfed. So everybody would, you know, pile in my car after school and we'd go to Cocoa Beach. And I think it was more weed then, but we, you know, smoked weed and surfed and, you know, ate a Burger King. So a few years there, drinking, partying, drinking, partying. I think I had it out with my, my stepmom and she pulled me to the side and said, I remember the word Thursday. She said, I don't like you. I know you don't like me. And I don't want somebody in my house that doesn't like me. Uh, so I called mom back up and I was, you know, back to South Carolina. And it really went bad. Um, the drinking, the weed, and you started with the cocaine. This is all like in high school. So um, I was just out of control. We were uh, getting in trouble with the law. I got kicked out of my senior year of high school. You know, kicked out of my house. Had to get an apartment try to hold the job and my recovery started pretty early I was in my early 20s so all this happened really quick and um so by the time I was I think 19 I was arrested for armed robbery you know that that was a pretty serious and scary time uh some stuff happened and I ended up they dropped it down to something else and I got a few years probation and hundreds of hours of community service uh but I remember being in jail it was just the county jail. And my parents came up with some bail money. And I said, no, leave me in here. I went there because while I was in there, I decided that I needed to quit drinking, quit doing drugs. So I would rather sat in jail where I couldn't get it because I knew what I was going to do if I got out. I was going to go back and party and go back to drinking. Um, and I eventually got out and I did. You know, I did. That didn't get me sober. Uh, I had a motorcycle. Uh, put it in a ditch and went through a chain link fence, uh, compressed some vertebrae in my back, put my head open. Uh, I remember being in a recliner with a broken leg, saying that that was it, I'll never drink again. A week later, I'm in the bar with my crutches, drinking. Um, still didn't realize, you know, that I couldn't quit. Around that time, I started uh, to hit a couple of AA meetings. I think I was... About 21, so I was like 26 when I got sober. So I, I literally, I knew once I started anything, I couldn't stop until it was gone, I was passed out or, or what have you. What I didn't know is that I was powerless and didn't have control over that first one. I still then told my, told my brain, you know, and it told me, you know, we could quit if we really wanted to. But I set out on a mission, even going to meetings, to give up the drugs and learn how to drink. You know, the, those AAers, I was going to take what they had, learn how to drink, and um, just not do the drugs. And I couldn't. I'd have one beer, and then I was off to the races looking for all the other stuff that I like to do. Um, and I literally, in four years of going to meetings, and I would go to the same meeting to pick up white chip after white chip. I told this in my when I was sharing the other day on my birthday, I would get 30 days, I would go out. I'd, I would get 60 days, I would get two weeks. As soon as I felt better and I had a little money in my pocket, I was back off to the race, shaking my head, saying, what's wrong with me? The time came that I said, I do need to quit. And that was, and that was the eye opener. You know, I couldn't. I would leave a meeting, go drink, and say, what the hell is wrong with me? You know, I literally thought something in my brain was broken. You know, it, it was tough. I still continued to relapse and relapse and relapse. And I, I just thought I was going to die. 
I was the one group that everybody kept asking me, all these old timers were sitting over there. Uh, how was it? Did it get any better? And I just mumbled F you under my breath, you know, and they would laugh. I can remember one time relapsing because a new beer came out, Bud Ice. Oh, it had so much more alcohol in the content. And so I had to try it, you know. The insanity, the sickness, and my way of thinking, I look back now and I, and I see how crazy it was. While I was going through it, it sucked. Quitting anything, getting sober, it's hard, it sucks. Um, I, it was easier just to go back at it. Something I knew that was miserable and more comfortable than all this other stuff. I remember thoughts like, what do people that are sober do for fun? You know, like what I was doing was fun, getting locked up and puking and wrecking, <laughs> breaking bones, splitting my head open. But what do people do for fun? Um, the, the guys that had the 20 year sober, they did not have the same problem I had. It's, it was impossible because if I couldn't stay sober, you know, because I got good grades, so I considered myself pretty smart. And my willpower was strong when it came to anything, except for alcohol. But at the time, I didn't know that. I was like, with brains and willpower, how can I be powerless over a liquid? Remember, so I would go to meetings. I'd be the last one in, first one to leave. And I got drunk and high. Uh, so I go back to the meeting. And I said, well, I'm gonna, maybe I won't be the last one to leave or last one to get there and first one to leave but I'm not gonna share, I'm not gonna get a sponsor, I'm not gonna work steps. Got drunk and high. I said, shit. So, and you see where this is going. Went back to the meetings, but okay, maybe I'll share, but I'm definitely not gonna work those steps or, or you know, chair meetings or, you know, read any of the stuff when they call me to read. Got drunk and high. I remember my brain was so sick and I was so selfish. I would not get the last cup of coffee because I wasn't gonna make a coffee pot for the rest of the week. I'm like, who think that's the opposite of service work? You know, I, I was super selfish. You know, what's in it for me? Um, so finally, it came to a breaking point and I was willing to do anything. You hear people say, oh, if they told me to go stand on my head in the corner, I would do it. And that's the willingness for me that I had to have. You know, I had to be willing to go to any length, uh, everything I was, had tried, didn't work and even then it was hard so I got a sponsor I started working steps you know after 90 days they let you chair meetings so he he was like you're gonna chair I'm like okay to this day when people say hey can you share can you do this if I can physically do it you know I'm right here I'm doing this you know so that with with all these years of sobriety you know I still have that same brain you know it says hey Mike go take a drink you know there's no defense against that first one. Right now, a lot of times, the only thing between me and getting drunk and high is uh, a higher power, which, you know, I found through working in the 12-step programs. There's a, you know, I'm not a big book thumper or, or this is the only way. Or, um, I see people get, you know, sober through church, people just quit on their own. Uh, however it works for whoever, bless them. But for me, I had to work the steps, which totally changed me. You know, I did them the best I could at the time. Didn't want to pray. My, my said, throw your, uh, excuse me, throw your shoes underneath your bed when you go to bed. So when you get up in the morning, you got to hit your knees to get them and just say a quick prayer while you're down there. So I'm like, okay. So I did that and that's how I started. It seems weird to think that back then, I was embarrassed in a room by myself to pray. I mean, with nobody, I wasn't embarrassed to be out on the streets, you know, scoring and driving drunk and puking on people's stuff, but who's embarrassed to pray? These are some of the changes that have happened, you know, working the steps and getting sober and getting clean. My sponsor gave me a list of three or four things to do every day. It was like, go to a meeting, call him, pray, read your big book, I don't remember the fourth. And I'll be damned if most days I would miss one of those things. And I'm like, how hard is it to do four things? I was sick, <laughs> you know? Today I do what I do and it, and it almost comes natural. I go to beginner's meetings. I go to, there's one I go to every Sunday night. And I actually went to two last week when I picked up my um, 26 year chip for two reasons. 
to remember where I came from. Cause I bitch and moan about struggles I have now. Getting sober was the hardest thing I ever did. You know, I gotta remember some of those feelings, some of those uh, emotions, some of the things I had to do that I felt uncomfortable doing. And the others to, to give hope. When I picked up my medallion, I'm like, who's sober, you know, between Christmas and New Year, I gave that, that little thing. Three people picked up a white chip at that meeting. I literally, I, I cried. I was like, you know, not like boohoo cry, but I had tears and that's okay. Because that was something, you know, back in the day, it was a hard ass. You don't cry. I don't care. You know, I, th I thought my tear ducts were broken, <laughs> you know, because I was mean. I was an asshole. Uh, I didn't care about anybody's feelings. You know, that, that's just the way it was. Now I cry during TV commercials when they show the puppies in the shelter. Uh, you know, I think so. Feelings still are hard to deal with sometimes, but I know that I have to deal with them. So I got a sponsor. I worked the steps. I was taking meetings. You know, there were things he was like, you're going down to the, to the hospital to carry the message. And I'd be like, okay, um, you're going to chair meetings. You're going to do service work. You're going to stay after and clean up and stack chairs. Um, all these things I didn't know at the time, but were, were teaching me not to be so selfish. So, uh, you know, I put me first in a lot of things, but a lot of a lot of things I'll put other first. You know, I can't mess around with my my sobriety or whatever. But to do without, or you know, you know, just give away my lunch and I'll be okay. You know, till dinner time, or you know, to help other people. You know, it's the people in the parking lot that need money to get their car fixed and get home or whatever. I know they're using 99% of the time they're scamming for drugs or whatever. But if I have five bucks, I get five bucks. Bless them. You know. Uh, so things that I do today. Um, a lot of praying. I still go to meetings. People are like, been sober, you know, 20 something years. You still got to go to meetings? I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know, I don't change things that are working i still have a, a conscious contact with a higher power i still have to review my day there's still days that i have to say oh shoot maybe i wasn't so nice you know the asshole creeps back in for being with didn't even realize it or whatever you know but I, I still have to keep my side of the street clean i know if i don't do the things that i do on a daily basis you know there's a chance hell there's a chance if i do do all that stuff but I, I increase my odds. It's, it's, I'm not a gambler, but I like to bet on my sobriety uh, by doing the things that have worked, not just for me, they've worked for other people. You know, I've, I've sponsored people. Some, some are still sober, some got drunk. You know, in the, in the 12 step programs, you know, we're just here to, to help other people. You know, they reach out for help. We're supposed to be here. Somebody was there when I was here. It was a funny thing when I got people that I was drinking and using with kind of disappeared. <laughs> you know, years later, one or two would peak interest and say, hey, what are you doing? Are you still, you know, and they, they would come to a couple of meetings and leave or whatever. So, uh, but I made all new friends and that's all I hung around with sober people. You know, I knew because of my past, when I, when I tried it, I would go, well, I'm just going to go shoot pool at the bar. I would drink, you know, I, I was, I was lying to myself. Um, so a lot of people that I know have died from this disease. Um, sometimes I think, why did I get so lucky? And, you know, may never know, <laughs> but I've had, you know, gone on 12 step calls. I've gone to funerals, you know, that this, uh, the disease has taken people. One of, my, one of my best friends that I first got sober with died with a needle in his arm, you know. Uh, it's pretty serious. I don't take life too seriously today, but the disease is serious. I mean, it's, it's deadly. And, you know, I've seen recently, you know, somebody in our community, everybody was a mourning the loss of somebody that, that was in our circle. Um, I want to be just that one beacon of hope, you know, that somebody can say, that's me. I felt that way, or the same thing happened to me. You know, I, I, I listen to people speak and I don't relate to every single buddy, but I, I can always take something out of it. 
whether it was, you know, a, a DUI, putting a car in a ditch, the way we felt different when we were young. Um, I had a bad complex. Going into the ninth grade, I was four foot 11 and 84 pounds. I was the smallest kid in high school. <laughs> you know, I'm almost six foot now, like 180. So I, I, I did grow. I think I grew a foot in a year, but I was the little kid, you know? So, so I tried to look back and say what caused me to be an alcoholic or, you know, every now and then I'll like, would it, could it have been different or, you know, uh, but I don't spend a lot of time on that because what happened happened. Uh, amends have been made uh, through working the steps. I mean, there's no blame of what happened to me. Uh, you know, it was all somebody's fault. You know, today I'm, I made choices. You know, the choices I made had consequences. Uh, but yeah, still go to meetings, still share. Uh, still live the steps, still pray to a higher power that I don't understand. Went through a, a profound change working the steps, totally different person. Uh, problems I have today are, you know, not, I don't think I really have any. <laughs> you know, my mind might say something's a problem, but it's not. Car breaks down, something needs a repair, you know, water heater went out, it's just stuff. Um, you know, when, when you come back from hell, everything is just, it's, a, it's all stuff. But I hope somebody can get something out of that. Thanks. When you come back from hell, it's all just stuff. It's all just stuff. Yeah, man. I tell you what, like, if you've, if you've come back from hell, you're, you are a friend of mine. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know about you, Willie, but I have a hard time <laughs> with people that haven't been through I, shit. I don't relate with people who ain't been through some shit. Yeah, it's hard for me. But I, I relate with Mike, man. Yeah. Is it Mike yeah. or Michael? Michael. Yeah, man. We uh we had a lot of similarities as kids, me yeah. and him. Yeah, I didn't get sober when I was so young, twenty six, but fuck man, I, I got into trouble. I started young. Uh, you know, at sixteen I had the car. Um, you know, just the rebellious nature, like and the juvie, like I could relate with all that. Mm -hmm. Well, and he identified with that rebel for a long time, right? Like he just sort of, he was the bad kid and he just sort of embraced yeah. that and, and rolled with it. And, uh, and I think that there comes a point with, I don't know, with, I guess I'll speak for myself here. There comes a point where you, you do kind of just roll with that part of your identity. Yeah. You know, you're just like, all oh, right, well, I guess if I'm going to be this kid, I'm going to be the best at yeah. it. Yeah, well, and, and it's not like a conscious thought, you know. It's just, it, it, it is what it is. Right. You become that person, and it seems like I will always be that person, you know, like like the the kid from the other side of the tracks. Yeah. You know, the that, parking the, lot crew. The parking lot crew, if you will. And, and uh, not being that person just doesn't seem fathomable. Um, it's almost not even worth thinking about, but then we have some, some shit start happening like he did, and, you know, the, the wreck, the motorcycle wreck and then the jail time and, uh, just having that knowing that, that it's gotta be different. Yeah. That yeah. knowing and something has to change being willing to just stay in jail because I know I, I'm safe in here and, uh, I, I was never able to do that, but, but he was, you know, and here 26 later, he's still doing the same stuff that works. Right. Yeah. Well, why would he stop? Why would he stop doing it? You know, and, and, uh, and I, I really appreciate everything that he touched on, you know, that's, that's working for him. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I identified with, uh, for sure was the, uh, the embarrassment that he had praying. Yeah. Like that can still, that is still a thing for me. Yeah. Like e even at home, like with my wife, who knows that I pray, who prays with me sometimes, you know, like I will still get that, that weird anxiety yeah. inside that says that, what are you doing? You're fucking dumb. Yeah. And I remember with my sponsor, like we did step three and we did that prayer out loud, the step three prayer out loud, holding hands in the parking lot of a cafe. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. And we got on our knees 
in the middle of this, like in the back behind this cafe, dude. And I was just so like, wow. Huh? Yep. But I mean, and that's, that works, you yeah. know, it worked for him. So he passes it on to me. Yes. And that's sort of what, uh, what it's all about. Yeah. What are you willing to do? Here's mm-hmm. the, here's the things that work for yep. people like us. Uh, and you can take them or not take them. You can, you can take the slow road that, you know, Michael talked about, I'm going to go to these meetings, but I'm not going to share. I'm going to go to these meetings and I'm going to share, but I'm not going to do the steps or get a sponsor. I'm going to go to these meetings and I'm going to share and I'm going to kind of do the steps, but I'm not going to get a sponsor and, until we're finally beaten to the point where it's like, all right, I'm going to do whatever the fuck anybody <laughs> says as far as like being sober because my way isn't fucking working. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when he talked about relapsing on that beer, I thought of you. <laughs> yeah. Because I remember the the story with you and and uh, you know local guy here talking about the devil's cut. <laughs> yeah, you never got to try the devil's cut never, whiskey. Never got to try the bourbon. Well, the they always have. I mean, they're always adding stuff. Yeah. How are you supposed to stay sober when they're always coming out with these new flavors they and things just, you got to try? Just stop making new stuff. The I, world could get sober if the world would just act according yeah. to me. Maybe I'd get sober. Yeah. I can identify with wanting to try the new shit. I'm grateful the illusion's been smashed, that the new shit leads to the old behavior, and the old behavior leads to death for me. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, too. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I can't thank you enough, Yeah, Michael. thank you. That was great. I think a lot of people are really going to get a lot from that. So um, thanks. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, it's a, well, there you go, man. Yeah, keep doing what's working. Let's let's not stop what's uh, what's working. Why yeah. would we want to change it? Yeah, this podcast is working to help me stay sober. So thank you. Yeah, it helps me too. It really does. Um, hard to know what I would do without it. Yeah. So let's just keep doing it. All right, let's do it again. Okay, let's wait a week. Okay, All sounds right. good. <laughs> Appreciate it. Well, let's get out of here today, yeah. guys. Thanks, Jordan. Jordan. Thanks, Ryland. Ryland. That guys, remember you are worth the work. We'll see you on the other side. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.